0: Blog Talk Radio. What
1: the hell happened to our intro? Uh oh. (laughs) It's always something.
2: I told you something was bound to go wrong. This is Kings of Non-Psychonorm.
1: Any topic, any subject, anything goes with your host, Jay and Ray The Kings of Non-Secular, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast, here with you live on a Saturday night, July the 27th, 2019. As I said, I'm Dre, he's Jay, and we are here for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy induction show for the year 2019. For any new listeners, this is what we do. We have our own Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy for both baseball and football we have had the football one for quite a while we just started the baseball one a couple of years ago because you had the the major league hall of fame ceremony last weekend you got the nfl hall of fame ceremony will be coming up uh once the preseason gets started i think maybe next weekend and that's just you know the the writers get together and decide ah, yeah this guy that made a couple tackles in the 1954 championship game yeah he should be a hall of famer And some baseball players, eh, you know, whoever we like, you know, let's let's ignore the home run champ, let's ignore the hit king, but we'll put in the guys that we really like for the Hall of Fame. We blow through all that BS. There's people, places, things, events, quotes that deserve to be immortalized, and maybe the major sports don't want to do that. They don't want to shine a light necessarily on some of those things, but we're here to shine the light where it needs to be shown. And we are very proud to have our inductions. Tonight uh, is my turn. We switch up every year. Jason will have the NFL Hall of Infamy Inductions when we do that show. This year is my turn to do the Major League Baseball Hall of Infamy Inductions. Uh, Jay, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. One of my favorite shows, Hall of Fame. Hall, Second annual MLB Hall of Infamy here. So last year uh, we got this started after, you know, Self-admittedly, we are, if if not bigger, but just as big baseball fans as we are football, even though this is a football-themed podcast uh, with a gambling bent. Uh would be hard for us to do a baseball show themed around picking every game. I think we'd get a little tired doing that. Um, although, if somebody wants to throw wads of cash at us uh, to do that, we, we, I'm, I'm sure we'd be listening.
1: I would be... Just happy sitting down and breaking down the yeah. the daily starting lineup for the Miami Marlins. If somebody wants to compensate us for that,
2: <laughs> but last year, uh, being the first inaugural, we each did an induction, so we each did our five, um, and that was a fun show. We had we had audio clips. We had all kinds of fun with that first show because you know when you're doing the first one, you've pretty much got your pick of uh, pick of everything. And I, I do believe that we didn't have any. That the other person had
1: i, I went back and was, listened to weird. the show we we had the one crossover where i had louis salazar and you had the cheese grater so we oh, had yeah. that little bit of a
2: <laughs> okay yeah so that... there was a little 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 in joke that we had where there was uh like a co-inductee but yeah two you know getting there two different ways which is which is pretty funny that um uh, that we had that one but you know, now that we're back into more of a pattern, we're just going to alternate with you know back and forth. One year, you know, the, the other one does baseball, the other one does football, and then we can just go back and forth, and that gives us both something to work on, um, so that we only have to worry about putting our our, our standard five in every uh, two years now. Yep. So every other year. Yeah. So you know, you get done with uh, as soon as you get done with your show here for baseball I get to start working on my list for 2020 um, getting ready uh, pretty much ready to go for our show for ML, uh, NFL Hall of Infamy believe it or not the Hall of Fame game is this weekend coming up yeah next
1: week next Saturday next Sunday
2: yeah yeah. Yep, so a week, from, a week from tomorrow is the Hall of Fame game so that would put us on pace for doing that show a week from tomorrow
1: yep if our schedules allow
2: Uh, Yeah, that would be Sunday, August uh, 4th, I want to say. Yes, Sunday, August 4th, which, uh, I I mean, I'm good to go. It's just as a matter of uh, if you're good to go.
1: I should be. um, I actually do have to work a baseball game next Sunday, but it's a day (laughs) game, so I'll be back Ah. home and should be back home in plenty of time. I I don't anticipate there being a problem uh, doing the show. Unless they have
2: a 26-inning game or something.
1: (laughs) See, you just have to wish that on me. This, this is your yeah. move. You'd like
2: to do that. So. It, it could happen. You'll be sitting there in about the 14th inning just cursing me out. Oh.
1: No, it'll be a rain delay. It'll be a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay <laughs> where I can't leave. <laughs> yeah. Because if they start the game up again, I have to be there to, to, to document it and score it. So, uh, yeah, something like something crazy. Something really weird would happen. Something really weird actually happened a couple weekends ago. When that bad weather was coming up from New Orleans – I was working a Saturday night game and then I was going to work the next day, Sunday afternoon for that. But the weather coming was so ominous looking on the satellites. They canceled the Saturday game. uh, I'm sorry, the Sunday game and moved it to Saturday and made that a doubleheader and just said, don't bother even coming out to the park Sunday because it looks like it's going to be that bad that you might want to just be at home in your closet or or underneath uh, a cellar or something like that. So they they turned that into a doubleheader just anticipating how terrible it was going to be on Sunday. Uh, And it was pretty bad, so I I understand why they did that. So something like that will happen. It'll be another tornado or hurricane or something come through and and have me
2: stuck out there all night. And people who aren't aware or in the know or follow or close followers of the show would know that this is actually a show. uh, This show was rescheduled because you had no power (laughs) the first time we were scheduled to do this show because of bad storms.
1: If you're a loyal listener and you're all geared up Wednesday night to to hear our show, to hear this Hall of Fame in, uh, induction, the Hall of Infamy induction, and uh, you saw the the schedule change all of a sudden and, and the show is scheduled for Sun uh, for Saturday night, you go, what what happened? Uh, hey, what happened? Um, what happened was I'm sitting here getting ready uh, and everything is is going according to plan and I'm doing all my uh, research and and getting the show together and getting all my notes and, and everything and then next hey, thing you know what happened all the lights just go out just boom everything just shuts down and we there's no rain by the way there's no weather uh that I can see it's bright and sunny there's no reason for the for the power to go out it just went out
2: oh so it and wasn't even bad weather
1: I, no i don't know what the hell wow. happened uh and when we called the power company uh they said that the the outage should be out uh the, the the outage was documented already and they knew that there was a problem and they were working on it. it should be back up by 9:30 p.m. and I'm like
0: why
1: what happened what the heck I, I I still don't know what happened the power did come up before the evening was was over but yeah just sitting there getting ready to to get the show basically ready to the you know it was about about 5:30 o'clock I think in the evening um, and I'm I'm just I'm not done with my research yet, but I'm getting ready to. I'm just about to, to finish and boom, just no power at all. Yeah. And I'm like, Well hell.
2: Uh so. well, yeah, when you sent me power, you know, there was power related, I just assumed storms. So Right. That's that even that's even more interesting that it was just random power failure.
1: It's just bizarre. Somebody uh did not like my inductions and they, they shut the show down before I even had a chance. <laughs> but <laughs> You can't stop it forever. I got my inductions. I'm ready to go. The uh, the inductions are up live on the blog. Uh, that website, of course, is blogtalkradio.com/slash in much less detail. That's where you're listening to the show live to read the induction on the blog. The website for the blog is in much less detail.blogspot.com, and, and I'll be referencing that a couple more times during my inductions because uh, there's links to go to on the blog to. Uh, look up some of these players uh Wikipedia so look up some of their baseball wow. reference numbers to uh be interactive and, and watch some some video on some of these guys. Uh it's 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 quite a jam-packed induction ceremony. I've got some guys I hope I, I uh please the gods, the baseball gods with my inductions. I think uh they're 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 actually timely. There's events in the news uh for some of them that sort of ties together. I try to make everything uh come together and, and have a little bit of a theme. Um, and I, I think I did a pretty good job this time around. I didn't really struggle. It's, it's, like you said, it's baseball. We just started that last year. So we got backup. We got people that we need to induct. And, and there's still people I want to induct even after this five. Uh, so there shouldn't be any lack of, of inductees on either one of our parts. We both should be just chock full of guys that we want to put in, guys and events and quotes and everything like that. So yeah. uh, I'm definitely ready to go here.
2: Yeah, I can kind of going to go ahead and just, you know, not make a bold claim here by saying that I think the first four or five of these that we do it's pretty much basically the low-hanging fruit of of inductions. I mean, I think we're going to just be we're we're basically at the point where we're just starting this up and we're just checking boxes right now, just making sure we don't miss anything. Um, right. before we start doing like in football. In football, we're starting to dig deep, you know. I mean, we're we're, yeah. we're pulling some things out on football. And not just our in-jokes um, or, you know, things that have, you know, happened from years of picking games and, and, and all the little in-jokes and, and you know, favorite players, least favorite players and all of that that have come up. And we had a little of that with the baseball one. You had, uh, I believe you had Dave as Perez I, um, <sighs> last year. You know, yeah. So some of these have more of a tie-in for, you know, all, you and me watching baseball together all these years. Um, but people get to experience some of what that's like and like in our fandom and yeah, there 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 are things that people have forgotten about or that, that baseball wants you to forget about just like football wants you to forget about. But yeah, you know what? We don't we don't forget.
1: We never forget. And if you want to go back and listen to some of those old shows, if you're listening to us talk about Luis Salazar and a Cheese Grater, you're going, What the hell are they talking yeah. about? And Nafi Perez and that, things like that, that. That
2: baseball show last year was great. That that first one was I mean, we had audio clips so we had it all last year.
1: All of our old shows are up uh, on any different number of websites that that do podcasts. Just search for in much less detail the podcasts and go back into our archives. You can go come back to this show page. Uh, blogtalkradio.com/slash/in much less detail. Go through our archives there; every show we've ever done is there. Um, I will have to start getting out of the habit—excuse <clears throat> me—out of the habit of recommending Apple Podcasts or iTunes because eventually they're shutting down iTunes. Believe it or not, so, uh, I believe that uh, already
2: happened. It's now oh, Apple okay. Podcasts. It's been well, iTunes basically splintered. So iTunes itself, I believe, is dead. But it's been—you know—it's—it's it's now just called Music. <laughs> And then you still, have, so you basically have it, it's been separated into music, podcasts, and, and video. So it's basically iPod, uh, iTunes, I mean, blew up into its individual components, which are all separate now.
1: I see. So I thought I was reading that Apple, that uh, iTunes, as we know it completely, is going to go away. Uh, yeah, yeah the, up the, the
2: platform, the platform yeah. uh, doesn't exist anymore or won't exist here shortly, but Apple Podcasts is still around. So I know that because I listen to our show still on the Apple Podcasts app. There's a plug for Apple; like they need one.
1: <laughs> right, they got yeah. so so little money. That they they need the publicity. They need all yeah. the the listens that they can
2: get. <laughs> so now the so now the game for me becomes hoping that you don't nominate anybody that I was planning on nominating. So I'll I'll let you know right away if you're you're if we're you know. Uh, in lockstep on any of these and and, you know it's going to happen it's going to happen a lot Um, especially with all the things that we have to choose from or you induct somebody where i was like oh man i wished i had gotten to do that one so this will be fun we got we Mm -hmm. got five uh five to do that's i think the number we just kind of made up out of thin air that we just settled on
1: i mean you know there's
2: the NFL
1: has uh, – I believe the NFL Hall of Fame has a has a mandatory five, uh, like a minimum of five every year. A required year.
2: five, yeah. Right. I mean, we don't have a voting system. We don't have the more convoluted system.
1: No, um, we don't have a bunch of I, writers sitting around trying to figure this out.
2: I, I still – I saw that you did uh, reference the unanimous Mariano Rivera entry this year. I still think someone fucked up.
1: <laughs> Someone was supposed to not vote Someone. for Mariano Rivera.
2: There, we two could guys called each other as soon as that happened. Yeah, as soon as as soon as that happened, there was two dudes who called each other and like, I thought you were gonna be the guy who voted no. No, I I thought it was gonna be you. What? Oh man. Oh, oh. man. Now he. Oh. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah.
1: And I've also heard talk that whatever year Derek Jeter comes up now, that Mariano Rivera was unanimous. Well Jeter has to be unanimous. And to that, i say,
2: no, he doesn't. He doesn't well, have uh, well, to be yeah. unanimous. Because you go you back can... through the baseball, you know, you go back through the history of baseball now. And, ju- and just how ridiculous it is that it, we had to get to 2019 before we got to our first unanimous entry into the Hall of Fame. That just tells how stupid Ruth. it is. <laughs> Not Lou nope, Gehrig. No, somebody voted against it. That Ted Williams? Yeah. Not Ted somebody Williams. voted against Somebody voted against these guys. Roberto Clemente. Somebody voted against no. Roberto Clemente.
1: Henry Aaron. Nah, nah he's not Hall nah, of no. What did he
2: do? Mickey Mantle. And Jackie Robinson. <laughs> he
1: didn't do anything. Come on. We're,
2: we're only talking about like the titans of the sport that, that right. far far outdo anything that Mariano Rivera ever did. Not that Mariano <laughs> Rivera wasn't fully deserving of going into the Hall of Fame. I'm not even saying that he wasn't a unanimous entry. I'm just saying he should not have been the first.
1: No, there's that that's an injustice. That really is. There's,
2: there's somebody voted somebody voted no on Greg Maddox.
1: Ah, he's he's alright.
2: Overrated.
1: <laughs> that that Forsyth young eh, i don't, I'm, I still don't buy it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nolan Ryan is a bum. He's a bum.
1: Uh, so that's just part of the the shenanigans that the real halls of fame play that sort of yeah. put a sour taste in both of our mouths over the years. Where we're like, you know what, we just need to do our own hell with this and and just make make our own hall of infamy and we yeah. can induct who we want and and immortalize who we want and and there's no politics involved. We just do whatever we want to do with it. So
2: yeah, next, and next year, ado. you and I had talked about briefly on uh, in a couple of texts. Uh, next year is the tenth anniversary of in much less detail.
1: That is unbelievable. Ten years of, of this crazy-ass podcast. Right, yes.
2: Well, the blog. It started with the blog. Ah, that's right. That's more, right. Yeah, so ten years of the actual entity. Um, right. will be in 2020, if you can believe that.
1: Yes, the the blog uh, was was at was 09? This, this, we, this might be the start of the 10th year now, I believe.
2: We're right. getting close.
1: No, two thousand two thousand ten. I, I believe you're right about that. Yeah, so, so two
2: thousand twenty is the ten year anniversary of of, of this. <laughs> this is just the evolution <laughs> of it. But whatever it the began fuck, this is September of two thousand and ten. <laughs> so we're coming up on the ten year anniversary here. Crazy, isn't it? It's
1: unbelievable. It really is. <sighs> so
2: and football's starting next week. So we got to. Oh, all right. It's. <laughs> I, I'm not even ready for that, but.
1: It's already coming. So without any further ado, the 2019 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame induction done by me. The one person right off the bat that I'm going to induct is the the one that I think you will have to scratch off your list. These other four inductees, I doubt that you are going to look at seriously anytime soon, but this one I think is probably somebody that you were, were looking at. Uh, And it's, of course, especially timely because, unfortunately, we we lost the man earlier this year, but he probably should have already been in last year anyway, because when you talk about infamous moments in baseball, the name that comes to mind, maybe for some people above any other, of course, has to be our first inductee of 2019, Bill Buckner. So did that? Did that? Uh, was that on your list, Bill? Uh, old Billy Buckner.
2: Yeah, you know, Bill Buckner is almost obviously, and he's never going to make it into the real Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, great ball player that you know, career defined by one bad moment, uh, but truly was a very good, very productive, long tenured ball player. I remember growing up watching Billy Buckner as a Cub. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, when I start first had my first memories of watching baseball, like with my grandpa. You know, he died when I was seven, so my first, some of my first memories of watching Cubs baseball were of watching Bill Buckner. Um, and then to have, you know, it, it's it's one of those where I don't know if it was even out of the obviousness or out of respect or what that we didn't do it last year, it, you know.
1: It but, was really you know, obvious. I don't know how yeah. he slipped through through my mind. He
2: slipped through the cracks. It was so obvious. It was almost like we didn't want to go too obvious, but yeah, you, you know, we right. we talked, we talked, talk, you talk about, you know, all time, you know, crazy bad luck or whatever it were baseball moments. And yeah, they, they all, they all end up popping right up there with Bill Buckner, who, who had to be forgiven by, you know, Boston after they finally ended up breaking the curse and, uh, very very similar to the way that the, the Cubs fans kinda you know re embraced Steve Bartman after they finally won the World Series and that curse ended. But uh yeah, until the Red Sox had had finally won it all, the 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 highlight you always saw was that ball sneaking through Buckner's legs, uh up the first baseline. So yeah, posthumous entry uh here for for the late I, I dare dare I say late great Bill Buckner, probably one of the best players on one, in either one of our Hall of infamies
1: Right. Uh, some of those Cubs fans forgave uh, Steve Bartman. Others, uh, believe now, me,
2: I've talked to them. I, I you never, know where I stand on that. I, I know don't blame where you Bartman. Stand. You know where I stand I on that. I have been unequivocal that I do not blame Steve Bartman. Um. For for that, I mean that was obviously yes, it was fan interference, but that whole you know the the that whole thing fell apart for reasons way beyond a guy putting his hands on a foul ball. So Bill Buckner you're, on you're the other record.
0: hand,
2: well, yeah. Yeah, you know that had a little bit more to do <laughs> with like outcomes I think than anything else. All
1: right, here's my official induction. Bill Buckner, first baseman for primarily the Chicago Cubs and Boston Red Sox, infamous for the uh, booting of a grounder in the World Series that you may or may not have seen a time or two, and, and I do have that link uh, on the blog to the to the play itself. This Bill Buckner entry into our hall may be the one that has to be revamped someday due to our rule uh, of not having a player who's a member of the actual Hall of Fame. I can see in the future a veterans committee taking pity on Buckner and putting him into the real hall. And his numbers wouldn't make it seem ridiculous. In 22 years, he batted 289 and tallied 2,715 knocks, 1,077 runs and 1,208 runs batted in. He won the national league batting title with the Cubs in 1980, hitting 324. Jason and I being native Chicagoans were very familiar with Buckner long before his name became a curse word in Boston. He was the primary first baseman for the Cubs before Leon Durham took over in that magical 1984 season.
2: He must have taught him a few things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They both have experience with balls going through their legs, unfortunately. Everyone knows what happened after Buckner was dealt to the Red Sox. A hobbled Buckner couldn't scoop up a Mookie Wilson grounder in Game 6 of the 1986 World Series, allowing the home team New York Mets to break an extra innings tie and force a Game 7, which the Mets also won. Had Boston found a way to win Game 6 or even the next night, that would have been the first world title for the Red Sox since 1918. So when they lost, naturally, Buckner became a legendary scapegoat for years. The ice thawed when Boston finally started bringing home titles in 2004, and eventually Buckner came to Fenway Park to throw out a first pitch and receive a long and loud ovation. Buckner died May 27th this year of Louis body dementia at age 69. It's no stretch to say that Buckner's error is perhaps the most infamous play in baseball history. No other miscue can match Buckner's in-game importance or visibility. Every baseball fan has seen that ball roll slowly through that man's legs at some point. Bill Buckner's name will forever live in infamy because of it, and the shame of it is it completely overshadowed a darn good career, not to mention his entire life. Our first inductee this year, Bill Buckner.
2: Yeah, if if it wasn't I mean if he's not a Hall of Famer, he's like a Hall of really damn good
1: for a long time. Mhm.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I I yeah, so I I I would I would go so far as to say probably the best overall play probably the best player that we have in either one of our of our Halls of Infamy because we've cheated in the football side and we've put in props and we've put in quotes you know, and we've sort of skirted our rule by focusing on something very specific. But you're we're we're inducting that damn it, if Bill Buckner can't make it into the real Hall of Fame, Hall of Inf he'll be in ours.
1: That's right. And, and he could have been just another, you know, random good hitting first baseman that's not gonna be in the Hall of Fame. There's a long list of those guys. There's Mark Grace, there's Paul Konerko, yeah. Move on, just you know, the list goes on and on. But because of that play it's like, oh, well, you, Bill Buckner, his name was just right. – you, you can't say Bill Buckner so, without sort of going, oh, and, and, that But
2: guy. now that we have the, the scope of history and, not, and now that he's dead, does that play, like, elevate him? It's the, probably the only reason we remember him.
1: Right, he's just some. He would have been some random first baseman otherwise. That's why yeah. I believe a Veterans Committee is going to put him in someday because they're going to look at that play and sort of go, "Oh, I, the, they're going to take pity on him, like the poor guy. He shouldn't be
2: defined just for that.
1: He was a damn good player. Let's put him in the Hall of Fame." Just well, for that even he's re-
2: Yeah, the numbers don't lie. Really, I mean,
1: yeah, he was he was really good.
2: Long career, productive career, but you two eighty nine hitter. That that's no that's that that's not anything uh, that you did to sneeze at there. Oh, no, You know, we're a not, we're not lot focused of... on how many home runs he hit cuz that was not a a home run hitting era, you know. That was that was if you hit 25 or 30 home runs, you were a power hitter.
1: And he wasn't a prototypical slugging first baseman like that. He was he was right. a contact guy.
2: Yeah. So So,
1: yeah, no. He, I mean, we, we, he should have put in last year. He really should have.
2: Yeah, that's that, that should have been first. But, you know, but we're going to have a lot of that, I think, where there there's going to be some that that we glossed over or that we passed up that that should have been that should have been automatic now I'm not saying no, no disrespect to the our, to our first 10 who were very deserving right. um, sure. but when you're only you know when you're only each getting five I truly believe that Buckner was probably like we had to be the smartest guys in the room so I'm, I'm glad you did it because that that's very deserving
1: yep, absolutely Sometimes All right. Our the obvious second,
2: way to go is the right way to go, right?
1: Yes. Our, our second uh, inductee, probably uh, on the same path of, of obvious, when you talk about infamous and, and very big names in the baseball world, and it can tie into that 1986 World Series. So to kind of run a string through and, and bring us back to 86, for our second inductee, I give you the tag team combination of Dwight Gooden and Darryl Strawberry. (laughs) Doug Gooden, a pitcher and Strawberry, an outfielder for mostly the New York Mets. They're infamous for being poster children for wasting talent while getting wasted. Speaking of those 86 Mets, The two most talented members of that squad were Gooden, who had won the 1985 Cy Young Award with 24 wins a filthy 1.53 ERA and 268 strikeouts, earning him the nickname Dr. K, and Strawberry, who was in the middle of an eight-year string of all-star seasons, giving the lanky outfielder the moniker, The Straw That Stirs the Drink. How good were these two? In Gooden, you had the 1984 Rookie of the Year, who would have four seasons in the top five in Cy Young votes. And Straw was the 1983 rookie of the year who would have two top three MVP campaigns. What the hell happened? Well, they were playing in New York in the 1980s, and there aren't many other opportunities in history more prime for a celebrity to find whatever narcotic he or she wanted. Gooden first entered rehab in April 1987. He was only 22. He had multiple arrests and suspensions after that, although he did reclaim some glory, throwing a no-hitter for the eventual world champion 1996 New York Yankees, but he was never anywhere close to the same pitcher as Doc in the 80s. Gooden continues to fight his demons, getting caught with cocaine during one arrest this past June and then arrested for DWI earlier this week. Strawberry, meanwhile, had well-documented episodes in his Mets days of partying and carousing, but he had... Uh, He held off issues with the league until his suspension in 1995 for a positive cocaine test. He came back to contribute to three Yankees World Championship squads, mostly as a platoon DH. But he also never got back to those Mets glory years. And he's also famously been in and out of legal trouble while struggling with addiction. Straw and Doc have even been at each other publicly through the years over who should and shouldn't be talking about the other's drug problems. It's been a very slow and sad breakdown for two stars who look like they would be all-time greats when their careers began, but as the late Rick James would say, cocaine is a hell of a drug. So our second inductee this year, 2019, all of infamy, Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry.
2: Yeah. I mean That's, that's the, the cautionary tale right there. That's the, that's the, Man. for all you youngsters out there,
0: <laughs>
2: uh, that's that yeah. I mean, that you talk about guys that, that pretty much had it all. I mean, you know, all Dwight the talent, all the, for, all the money. Yeah, for when he was on, he was one of the best. Daryl Strawberry, also one of the best. I mean, these were all stars for for that short run that both of them had. I mean, the Mets, the Mets won a World Series with the help of these guys.
1: And, but could have could have won even more because they were yeah. damn good and damn young.
2: Yeah, I, I got a feeling we could have like a nose candy wing in the MLB <laughs> Hall of Infamy. I mean,
1: Well, those two were at the head of the table.
2: Yeah, and that and that was really when that be that that became sort of that sort of put like the cocaine problem on the map, didn't it for for MLB?
1: Yeah, there was uh there was a, a an issue in Pittsburgh where there was a lot of it getting around, and yeah. they were. They were getting a whole lot of it, and, and everything just kind of broke down at, at one point. Like everyone was getting busted for for cocaine after yeah. a while because it was so yeah. prevalent.
2: But this is these yeah. are the poster children. These are the woulda, coulda, have, shoulda have been Hall of real Hall of Famers. There, there's no way these guys should even be sniffing our Hall of Fame or Hall of Infamy off, even off of those numbers that that uh, that you put out there. And then also we have Doc Gooden, who is sort of tangentially connected to our first-year entry in Tuffy Rhodes.
1: Because <laughs> he gave up all three those jacks. <laughs> to
2: Carl touches
1: right, Dusty Rhodes. Which
2: is part of the, his stature as a top-quality pitcher is part of what put Tuffy into the Hall of Infamy. <laughs> because it wasn't just that he hit three jacks on opening day. He hit them off of Dwight Gooden, one of the best pitchers in the league at the time. And in his run was... You know, he could have been one of the best uh, ever. You know, and both both of those guys, without the drugs and healthy careers, are, are in Cooperstown, right? I mean, that that that's the talent. Yeah, right when there. you
1: talk about when you talk about what Dwight Gooden did at age twenty and and twenty one, yeah. guys who start out their their careers like that usually go all the way and 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 have great careers. And then, like I said, Strawberry, the the run that he was on. Uh, I think a lot of people forget just how good he was. You talk about eight All-Star games in a row, including uh, the the problems were starting to catch up in New York, and they and they deal him away to to the Los Angeles Dodgers. He makes another All-Star team after going to L.A. He wasn't missing a beat yet at that point. So, uh, yeah, those guys could have been, should have been, like you said, the poster child for could have, would have, should have, but. Uh, that 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 nose candy. You, you said they shouldn't have sniffed our hall of infamy. I, I, I see what
2: you did there. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you weren't
1: even trying to do it.
2: I wasn't even trying, but you know, <laughs> ten years of doing hey, this. Hey. Uh, yeah. Tw- Twenty-five, thirty years of uh, doing this. Uh, yeah. The, the, the jokes just they write themselves after a while, you know. <laughs> and and I don't want to sound like a like I'm trying to like get nostalgic here, but making eight all-star games in a row in the '80s. When people that got voted in actually played in the all star game, that, that meant something. Sure. This wasn't Joe Girardi making an all star <laughs> appearance because the first eight catchers all backed out. And I'm not I don't know if I'm exaggerating about that either.
1: You're not. They 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 got around to calling Joe and he picked up the phone and that's why he, he made that all star team.
2: <laughs> and now that, Joe that Girardi on his you know, on his resume, it will always yeah. say whatever year all-star it had nothing to do with him being voted in it was because all the guys in front of him didn't want to play in the all-star game
1: <laughs> maybe a, a potential future uh, yep. hall of infamy and Doug D himself
0: uh, Mo-
1: moving on to our third induction uh, timely in the news because of all the uh the the ump shows that have been going on this year and the the bad umpiring <laughs> we can, and we
2: should put an ump a year into the MLB one. <laughs> we
1: really can and the uh, potential robot umps coming in and i think this this particular um may have had a, a lot to do with with all of the uh the controversy around umping this may have been another guy that you were looking at somewhere in the future but
2: uh, I think uh, i'm think gonna know put who this him is gonna be
1: uh, okay <laughs> i said
2: i think i know who this is gonna be because if this is who i think it is this is all time
1: <laughs> i'm gonna put him in uh as a tag team effort as well because oh. he is synonymous with the pitcher that he screwed, and that <laughs> would be... Are we talking
2: about... Oh, oh! You
1: know. You know, we're talking about the combo of Jim Joyce and Armando Galarraga.
2: I had, not to give away what could potentially be a future entrant, I had a different combo.
1: Okay. There, I there, had... Like that, we could have one a year.
2: I had Eric Gregg and Livon Hernandez.
1: <laughs> oh, that is, uh, that is all time. That's so,
2: that. See, so <laughs> I like what you did. Cause that was obviously going to get in at some point, the imperfect game. But when yeah. you're talking about, especially robot ump, and I'm now, I immediately go to the widest <laughs> strike zone in the history of baseball. <laughs> like if it was in the opponents, if it was in the batter's box, it was a strike. Um,
1: so that's coming in the on future,
2: my, coming next year or possibly <laughs> in the future. Uh, Yeah, though, no, that's if you're going to do a, a a tandem. See, that's what I thought it was going to be. But, yeah, you got me. You got me because I ah, I'll let you explain a, that, a different I, 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 I know I've told the story about that before. Um, yeah, we both talked about that story and, and, and the, the, the feeling that we both had. I mean, I watched it live. I don't know if you watched it live because that was an MLB network cutaway. But, yeah, I'll let uh, you yeah. read your thing and we can dive into that
1: yeah Joyce and Galarraga Joyce was the um Galarraga was the Detroit Tigers pitcher and they are infamous for providing a jump start for instant replay in baseball and I have the link to that particular play uh, on the blog again uh, to the entry uh, on the blog which is in much less detail.blogspot.com that's where you go to read our Hall of Fame inductions Uh, That's where you go to read our picks for the football season uh, when football is actually in session. Uh, But that's where the, uh, the inductions are right now. And I have the video up for this particular play. If you haven't seen it, and if you're a baseball fan, you've, you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. But uh, if you haven't seen it, go to that link and check it out. Uh, I don't care what kind of spin anyone puts on it. The Jim Joyce safe call to ruin Armando Galarraga's perfect game had to be a major inflection point for the cause putting video replay into America's pastime. Sure, there were egregious missed calls before that, but in 2010, home runs were already being reviewed, and the technology was far enough along that this terrible call must have made implementing full replay obvious to many baseball people. Galarraga was one out from completing a perfecto against the Indians when he induced a grounder from Jason Donald that first baseman Miguel Cabrera fielded and tossed to the covering Galarraga who got to the bag on a bang-bang play. Joyce, the first base umpire, called Donald safe. But he looked out in live action, and replays showed that he was clearly out, calling Galarraga a chance at immortality. Galarraga could only smirk at the blown call, an amazingly calm reaction to getting royally screwed, and Joyce was in tears after the game because he saw the replay that showed him fucking up. The call so defined the two men's careers afterwards that they actually wrote a book together in 2012 Called nobody's perfect, and I have the link to that book, the Amazon link to that book. I'm uh, also on the blog because if, if anyone deserves to to make some money off of that, it's, it's those two. Joyce didn't do uh, anything wrong as far as all he did was make a mistake. He wasn't trying to screw Galarraga, and Galarraga truly did nothing wrong. He just got completely screwed. Yeah. Uh, and this wasn't this wasn't a CB Buckner or Angel Hernandez situation. <laughs> this wasn't a guy awful at his job just messing up again.
2: I'm glad you made that point, because that's right where I was going to come
1: in. Joyce was considered at the time the best ump in the game. So when you hear the old heads argue against the robot umps or replay by shrieking some nonsense about the human element, remember, it's the human element that made a good ump in Jim Joyce synonymous with awful judgment calls. And it stole money and history from a kid in Galarraga who'd never again had a night like this our third inductee of 2019, Jim Joyce, and Armando Galarraga.
2: Yeah, and you immediately knew. I mean, Jim Jim oh. Joyce, after the game, you felt for the guy because yeah. his quotes he knew, and, and the things that he said, knowing that he didn't just screw up a call, he, he cost the guy a shot at perfecto being in that rare class of being the best of the best and 27 up 27 down, nobody reaches base. I mean, not even a no hitter, an absolute perfect game, three men up, three men down nine straight times. And that one call erased it. I mean, it was still ended up being in in the books. I believe it still ended up being a, a one hitter. (laughs) Um, I do believe that, that he, he regrouped and got the next guy. But yeah, DeJoyce was real. He was so upstand. Could you? Could I couldn't see Joe West or Angel Hernandez oh, or anybody blowing <laughs> that call, having that kind of humility. They'd have been like, ah, he was out. I said he was out. That's why." Yeah, you know, So you, no, I mean,
1: I made the call that I saw at the time, and that's yeah. all that matters.
2: Yeah, and I, and, and I just did actually, what I and, could. And, You know, and the next day, they both uh, went out there and uh, Galarraga presented Joyce with the light-up card because I believe Joyce was the home plate ump the next day. And, uh, you know, there were tears then. I mean, so these two guys are kind of forever linked. Uh, It was the highlight of Armando Galarraga's career. I mean, he's the – you look in the dictionary, right next to the word middling is (laughs) – a picture of armando galarraga who 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 never again soared to any such heights and and, and you did make the point, and i'm glad you made the point that jim joyce for the length of his career one of the best umps in the game he we just, just took to make a it, poll you know yeah. of, of the players and this, and, around
1: that time and and he came out number one actually in that poll before before yeah, the and play not, was, was made
2: we're not torching this guy uh real hard here because you know but but it's so it's infamous I mean, this is the hall of infamy as well that's such an infamous play but uh, how many people now remember all the perfect games Uh, i don't remember all the perfect games but i remember the one imperfect game
1: you remember the 28 out perfect game
2: (laughs) i remember i remember the mlb network i was at work cuts away uh to that game because you had a guy who was working on a perfecto and you know you're watching all the at-bats in the eights and then they'd cut away then they'd come back and you're watching the ninths and uh, everybody's caught up in the hype you don't get to see that very often there haven't been that many and then to have it erased on that blown call I, I got I, I mean I had a pit in my stomach I mean it physically made me feel almost ill I mean it was the same it was almost the same pit I had in my stomach watching the end of that Cincinnati Pittsburgh playoff game. Oh. Like you just like actually getting not just like, you know, the, the shock reaction, the emotional reaction, but like it created a physical reaction. Like you felt, I felt sick that somebody who would, you know, that was, that had on, on that night was perfect and had it all wiped away. But, uh, you know to have to have Joyce be upstanding about it. Galarraga could have lost his shit too, right? I mean,
1: yes, exactly.
2: Most guys I, just—I I can still see that look on his face, just looking over like, "You kidding me?"
1: Yeah, just the that was like, about, "Oh, really?"
2: That really? was all he gave him. I Was like, "Really?" Oh, you know, and, and yeah, on the replay, the ball—the ball settled right into the glove. He had him by a clear half step on every replay. You knew he had him in real time. Everybody knew he was out, except for Jim Joyce
1: do you think Roger Clemens reaction would have
2: been to
0: that? <laughs>
2: yeah. So, so if anything, it, it also shows that, that you can have these screw ups that you can be, and you could do it in a classy way. Um, and also interesting for the fact that this wasn't a blown call that didn't cost anybody a game. Didn't cost anybody a championship. It was a, it was a mid to late season, you know, late middle season game. It, it, it it really didn't have any major impact overall, other than the historical historical significance of it. Just a regular season game and a blown call, and we'll always uh, we'll always I'll always remember the imperfect game.
1: I think the impact has to be in in all of this replay that we're getting now years yes. down the road. I think that had to push it along. That had to. When you have any oh, arguments for I, I for the replay, you. Exhibit one, you point it back, you go, that's why we need instant replay. Because you go back and challenge that today, perfect game. Game over, everybody's celebrating, no doubt. But back then, couldn't do it.
2: That, uh, that, and that's that's one of the funny way. parts of it. It's, 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 it's Buckner. We, we don't remember the career. We remember the one bad play. We're, we're not gonna, No one's going to remember Jim Joyce or Armando Galarraga, but they're going to remember them for that.
1: Yeah, just like Buckner, we're tying it all together. See, this is all flowing perfectly tonight. This is this is going. <laughs>
2: you're, it's like a, you're putting it all in a bow. I am. And it is, and it is all a right. little bit, it is a little bit, it is a little bit with the times, just because of all the bad umpiring controversies now, and the hubris of these umpires now, in the face of all the technology that says these guys suck at their job. <laughs> um, you know how defiant they are. I mean, they're.
1: You should catch the, the real sports that they did a couple of years ago and in, in interviewing one of the current umpires, and all he kept saying with no real reason backing it up was, well, it, it would take the human element out. You can't do it. it the human element is, is, is too important. You can't, yeah. you, you can't take the, the – and, it's like, do you have any real reason to to not have robot umps? Because just saying that it takes the human element out doesn't tell me anything. That's just, so so what? <laughs> I want to take the human element out. Do you want to get the damn call right or not? God. All right, moving on to our fourth inductee tonight in the Baseball Hall of Infamy for this one. I don't have any historical tie-ins. I don't have any current event tie-ins. I'm just going to go back in our past and pull out a name that may get a visceral reaction out of you because he was one of the old 80s Cub rivals. And I'm bringing him up because when we talked about Hall of Infamy, when you brought the idea up to me about a baseball Hall of Infamy, really, even last year, this guy's name popped into my head because just guys that sort of struck fear in me when I saw him pitch back when I was a kid uh, because you just never knew what was going to happen. It was just, uh, and there was a trio of them, really, but this guy stood out of, uh, among all of them, but I'll get into the the whole trio during the induction, but uh, number four inductee this year, Old Cup rival in the 80s, a name that you haven't thought of in a long time. I give you Joaquin Andujar.
2: Wow. <clears throat> digging deep.
1: I am. That's, a deep, that's uh, a deep cut right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Andujar pitched mostly for the uh, Houston Astros before he got to the Cardinals. Uh, he's infamous for having a temper and beating your ass if he felt like it. And having a temper uh, – we get to tie in. There is actually a little bit of a tie in to bad umping again because the temper, the the link that I have up on uh, his his particular entry uh, is to uh, how much of a temper he had after the 1986 World Series, and there was some bad umping going on there, and he and he got a little bit of a, a he got into it a little bit as far as that goes, but I'll get into that uh, during the entry here. Uh, when Jason and I were growing up watching baseball in the 80s in Chicago, <clears throat> it seemed like there were three Latin pitchers who would have no problem plunking you if they wanted to. The Yankees, Pasquale Perez, the Reds, Mario Soto, and the Cardinals, Joaquin Andujar. And, and if you have any uh, objection or difference to that, you can correct me. But those are the three guys that sort of struck fear in me as a kid. Like, oh, my God, don't please don't hit a homer off those guys because the next guy up is going to get drilled. <laughs> It seemed like they were just always hitting somebody. Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens had the reputation for being what Hall Carrollson might call Carmine derriers or red asses uh, who would headhunt for whatever reason. But these three had enough wildness and lack of control of their pitches that I really did fear for whoever faced them. But only one of those guys got into a confrontation with Jason's Hall of Infamy umpire Don Dinkinger. In that infamous 1985 World Series, Dinkinger blew a call at first base in Game 6 that looked eerily like the Jim Joyce blown call. When you talk about grounded the first and the pitcher covering and called safe, it all kind of ties in here, doesn't it? Uh, and I link to that particular play as well on, on this entry. Uh, that that call screwed the cards and helped the Kansas City Royals rally in the ninth and fourth of Game 7. In that game, in Game 7, the Royals ripped cards starter John Tudor and their relief corps. And Andujar was brought in to pitch in that blowout. The home plate ump for Game 7 was, wait for it, wait for it, Don Dinkinger. And when he called an Andujar pitch a ball that should have been a strike, Andujar exploded and got ejected. He then uh, demolished a toilet in the Kansas City clubhouse, resulting in a max fine and a 10-game suspension for the start of the 86 season. Andahar never needed much prodding to get angry, though. In 13 years of pitching, he drilled a whopping 51 guys, an average of almost four per year. He managed to be an all-star pitcher in 84 and 85 while leading the league in hit batters each year. He may be a St. Louis legend for blowing up a Dinkinger when the entire team and city wanted to, but he's infamous here for terrorizing little eight-year-old me and Jason anytime he stalked the mound that is a deep cut indeed, our fourth entry into the 2019 Baseball Hall of Infamy, Joaquin Andujar.
2: Yeah, he liked to hit dudes, huh? 51 <laughs> hit batters.
1: That's a lot of hit batters. That
2: and that doesn't even count all the buzzed batters.
1: <laughs> right. That's just who we actually hit, that's not who we threw at.
2: Right. Yeah, you know, and how many bench-clearing brawls was he part of? Because that's back when bench-clearing brawls were just kind of a—that was a regular yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: they like to run out on the field and, and get the dugouts out there and the, the bullpens, yeah. and they—they they like doing that back. Uh, back uh, in I the I mean, day. I'm old
2: school. I, I see a team in a funk. I think it's time for a good fight. <laughs> Cubs could that use used a good to be fight thing. right now. I want to see the Cubs huh. run out there and just steamroll the Brewers, you know, and. Somebody needs to charge the mound take that take the game, take the game suspension, just run out there and have a good fight.
1: They could bring into on as a coach uh, to to lead them in that unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but yeah that was that was the thing in the eighties was you you give up a home run or something happens to frustrate you? yeah, just hit the next guy It might be in the head, it might be in the body, it doesn't matter. just hit him.
2: yeah, you know, the head hunting used to be that used to be a big thing, you, know, you didn't have to hit him. You just have to buzz them high and tight, too.
1: Yeah, you throw behind them. Yeah. yeah. It was
2: I, I believe a that was called a, brush, a brushback pitch. They don't talk about the brushback pitch anymore. Now, those get you ejected.
1: That's true. Or, or, or give warnings to everybody before anyone uh-huh. can do anything else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Then we started to get soft. Then they started throwing the ball, like, behind people. It's
0: like, <laughs> so no, that's. Soft. that's
1: so that's Ke- Joaquin Anduar, the, the memories of him in that Cardinals uniform, that baby blue powder uniform, uh, coming into Wrigley Field and, and drilling guy. That That's what I remember uh, most about him from the eighties. So yeah, had to, had to induct him.
0: Uh,
1: so for my fifth, uh, induction, I got some, some really, uh, interesting people here. There's, uh, uh. There's some congressional stuff, some some government stuff that we've talked about or heard about this week. Uh, there, there's some things going on that sort of tie into this. So it made me think back to uh, a long time ago, and, and I think I need to bring in some some help to introduce uh, the guys here in the fifth induction. So I'm, I'm going to get a little uh, assistance for this. I'm going to go to uh, Representative Tom Davis of the uh, Government Reform Committee, uh, the chairman of the Government Reform Committee, and he's going to do a uh, little introductions and let us know who, who we have on uh, our distinguished panel here tonight.
0: I'll start. Uh, we have a very distinguished panel here, obviously, in front of us. Mr. Jose Conseco, the former member of the Oakland Athletics and Texas Rangers, Mr. Sammy Sosa, current member of the Baltimore Orioles and former Chicago Cub, accompanied by his interpreter, Mrs. Patricia Rossell, and also Jim Sharp, who will be reading his opening statement. Uh, Mr. Mark McGuire, former member of the Oakland Athletics and St. Louis Cardinals. Mr. Rafael Palmero, current member of the Baltimore Orioles and former Texas Ranger. And Kurt Schilling, current member of the Boston Red Sox. And we have Mr. Frank Thomas, the current member of the Chicago White Sox, appearing by video conference.
1: Uh, the 2005 congressional steroid hearing uh, in its entirety is my fifth induction to the baseball hall of infamy this evening the link that i have to that is the actual entire two hour 43 minute 59 second uh yeah. hearing the youtube of that hearing that's what i have linked on the site for anyone who would want to possibly sit down and check out the entirety of it i watched all two hours. i watched 43. it i watched it Okay, well, two of us have watched it. Both of us have watched the entire hearing, us, so that I so that you don't have it. to. All two of us I have was, watched. I it.
2: was I was in my apartment up north. Uh, it was my day off, and I remember I was sitting in my recliner. My cat lay. I had a blanket on my lap. My cat laying on my lap. I had the TV on, and I'm sitting by the window, cracked open. It was dead of winter. It was really cold out. I do remember that. So it might not have been. Where where I was, it was really cold. That's all I know because it wasn't. I don't think it was in the summertime, (laughs) was it? It was in the winter. I'm pretty sure. March seventeenth, two thousand five. It was cold. That was that dead of winter where I was living. And uh, I remember just sitting there with the little 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 cold breeze coming in on my couch. I mean, on my on my uh, recliner in front of my TV, and I watched the whole thing. Well, you
1: know uh, that the. That the hearing was in. That was, that was
2: reality TV at its finest because you, you it had a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, everybody had a quote. Uh, I, I don't think we're, we can't uh, – contractually we are not allowed to lump Frank Thomas in. Um, <laughs> but since you're just putting the whole hearing in, I guess we can sort of get him in because he's in the real Hall of Fame, right?
1: Exactly. I'm, I'm putting but the he hearing was, itself in. He was in. there to
2: testify as one of the clean members.
1: Right. Well, I, I see yeah. you doing the air quotes there, the, the clean members. Um, uh, hey, but
2: <laughs> they never proved anything. And trust me, <laughs> she'll like it too.
1: The 2005 congressional steroid hearing was infamous for providing a platform for a whole bunch of baseball players to make cells. Uh, On March 17, 2005, a House Reform Committee summoned several MLB players, mostly active except for Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire, who couldn't say enough times, I'm retired, as if that excused anything he did. They were summoned to answer for the loud rumors of rampant steroid use in the game, helpfully put on paper for everyone to see when Canseco wrote a tell-all book describing his steroid use and that of other players, some of whom he claimed to have personally injected. The distinguished quote unquote list players in attendance and their most memorable quotes can be heard during this very podcast uh, because I did the honor of cutting up some of this uh, tape because some of these things were just some of them are infamous and, and some of the quotes are legendary as we all know some of them a little more sublime but still interesting to hear, especially with the, the little bit of history that we know about everything Conseco. Uh, First of all is is given the first opportunity to give an opening statement before all of this starts And he decides to take the opportunity to I think really make the the entire uh, Hearing uh, I think what he did was put it exactly in its place and and sort of set the tone For everybody to follow behind him with with the way that he decided to uh, approach his opening statement
0: unlike others I have never refused to appear before this committee and assist them in this endeavor however Due to the fact that I am on probation in Florida for events unrelated to baseball and steroid use and due to clear evidence of the overzealous efforts of state prosecutors to make an example of me, I request immunity from this committee. I request immunity from this committee. With immunity, I would be free to answer all questions posed by me, by the committee, without fear of my testimony would affect my
2: probation. Without immunity, I cannot. So,
1: right off the bat, we're going to just make this a, a CYA situation. We're going to make this all about covering our ass and try to ask for immunity and see what we can get as far as our, our legal ramifications. And, and Conseco even admits I'm, you know, I'm probation for stuff that has nothing to do with baseball because, as we know, Jose Conseco, uh, possibly a Hall of Infamy inductee himself, uh, a legendary. Uh, fighter and, and carouser himself and, and all sorts of things that he was getting into. So that's the very first guy that gets a chance to have a, a statement. And his statement is, I need to cover my ass. I don't care what y'all brought me here for. I, I need immunity or else I'm not going to say shit to you. So that that's right off the bat. The next guy that gets a chance to talk is Sammy Sosa. And Sammy, uh, despite giving many interviews and loving everybody and blowing kisses and not having too much of a problem with English decides to when he gets this. eh, maybe I don't speak into English too well. and He's got an interpreter there and he's got a, a lawyer there. Uh, and his lawyer, uh, Jim Sharp, decides to have his opening statement for some reason uh, be uh, Sammy Sosa's life story.
0: I grew up in San Pedro in the Dominican Republic with four brothers and two sisters. My father passed away when I was seven years old. We sold oranges and shined shoes to get by. Early on, I displayed a talent for baseball, and when I was 16, I left home and signed with the Texas Rangers. I played in the minor leagues for four years before I played in my first major league game when I was 20 years old. Playing at that level is very difficult, especially for someone as young as I was. I had to fight for everything, and that meant working out harder than the next guy, lifting a few more reps than the last guy. It meant spending more time in the batting cages and less time in the clubs. Everything I heard about steroids and human growth hormones is that they are very bad for you, even lethal. I would never put anything dangerous like that in my body, nor would I encourage other people to use illegal performance-enhancing drugs. To be clear, I have never taken illegal performance-enhancing drugs.
1: All right, let's just ignore the fact that he's lying off ads right off the bat. Let's, putting that aside the fuck does your life story have to do with it? Why do I care about you growing up in the Dominican and your father died and this and that? What does that have to do with anything? Why? What was the point of that? So I was just like, what? what's going on? What are we doing? So that's I, what's going to say.
2: I think that guy, his lawyer, was also the inspiration for the voice that they used in the speak and spell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the cow says moo.
2: <laughs> I think you might
1: be right about that. So that was Sosa's opening statement. Now we move on to Mark McGuire. This is where things really get interesting because Mark McGuire wound up making a legendary ass of himself because and it was interesting to see the different strategies that guys took. You saw Seiko's strategy: I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask for immunity, even though I'm not on trial or anything like that. Uh, you saw Sosa's uh, strategy was: uh, I don't speak the English. McGuire's strategy, for whatever reason, was: I'm gonna say everything and anything and nothing at all. I'm going to act like I'm so happy to be here to provide a way to to, to provide some answers for anybody who wants answers, while not answering anything in, in any way, shape, or form. He Starts off in his opening statement, McGuire does. Uh, By by applauding uh, Why the committee is there And and, and things look like they're going to be off to a good start
0: I applaud the work of the committee In exposing this problem So that the dangers are Clearly understood
1: All right, well that that sounds Promising okay so Mark McGuire maybe Is going to actually say something and maybe He's actually going to be some help for all
0: Asking me or any other player To answer questions about who took steroids In front of Television cameras will not solve the problem. If a player answers no, he simply will not be believed. If he answers yes, he risks public scorn and endless government investigations. My lawyers have advised me that I cannot answer these questions without jeopardizing my friends, my family, and myself. Uh, Oh, well. Well, I
1: I thought we were going to give something out of Mark, but I guess uh, guess we're not going to... Get anything because he thinks answering any questions about steroids would jeopardize. For, first of all, if you didn't do it or if your friends didn't do it, then what, what's the jeopardy? What What are you talking about? What? There's nothing to jeopardize. If, if but, So you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're saying that you're glad that the committee brought you here so we could do something about this steroid problem. However, you're not going to talk about the steroid problem because it might jeopardize you and, and your friends. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't quite understand that. So next we move down to Rafael Palmero. This is not going to take very long because Rafael Palmero wasn't there to play games. His strategy was to come right out and say, I don't know why I'm here in the first place because I would never touch this stuff.
0: I'll be briefing my remarks today. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period.
1: And now we're all wagging our finger right now. Wherever we're sitting in the world, you That's might be right. in... Sri Lanka, you might be in Burkina Faso. We love our listeners in Burkina Faso. Wherever you are, you heard that, and you stuck your finger out and you wagged
2: your finger because that's what Rafael Palmeiro did
1: when he gave that very infamous, infamous quote about oh, yeah. he never. He, he
2: gave. He went. He went and gave the full-on Bill Clinton finger wag.
1: I have never had sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. And what C-SPAN did, if you go back and, and watch that YouTube of it, was beautiful. At the moment that he's giving that opening statement, telling everybody that he has never used steroids, C-SPAN ever. is letting you ever. C-SPAN is letting you know that Rafael Palmeiro just got suspended for doing steroids. So it was just
0: <laughs> beautiful. <laughs>
1: now with the with the history and going back and now knowing apparently uh, palmero knew about the steroid suspension when he went up there to tell everyone that he has never done steroids but because it was under, uh, appeal he thought that he was going to be able to get away with it and lie to everybody so he was lying from the moment he walked into the courtroom or into the uh into the chambers uh he was just lying off his ass right right off the bat so uh Things got very, very weird very early in these proceedings, and like I said, it was two and a half hours of it, uh, so we had a lot more to go. Uh, eventually, the representatives themselves, the House representatives, got around to asking individual questions. So we were like, well, maybe we'll start to get some some real answers now that we got the opening statements out of the way, now that uh, we can actually have some questions and answers some back and forth. With these guys, we can actually get some some real things going here. So, uh, Henry Waxman, of course, uh, the very prominent representative that was uh, part of this government reform committee, he decides to ask Sammy Sosa uh, about a certain standard uh, for for testing, and, and it's a pretty straightforward question. And, and you think you might get some some words out of Sosa himself because he was going to have to answer this. This wasn't through his lawyer or his interpreter or anything. Sosa was going to actually have to say something
0: himself. You, you, you got caught using steroids um, for whatever the sport is that, that you're suspended for two years and after that second offense you're out. That certainly discourages people in the Olympics. Do you think it would be effective with uh, baseball and other sports as well? Would you uh, push the mic?
1: I can tell you, Mr. Chairman, I don't have too much to tell you. Because... Okay,
0: well, you can think about it. We don't have to get the answer right now. Okay, so you're here. You
1: got your suit on. You're, you're here in front of the – you're here to tell me that you don't have too much to tell me. Uh, wh- huh? What are we – and like I said, that's a straightforward question. We got this other standard in the Olympics. Do you think that would be helpful in baseball if we applied that standard? That that's That's pretty – I I didn't think there was anything real difficult about that, but Sosa pretty much showed what he was about with that answer. He's not going to say much of anything. He's going to pretend like he doesn't really know what you're talking about. Okay. We'll move on. We'll we'll go back to to Big Mac, who sounded like he kind of wanted to help and then sounded like he wasn't going to say anything, but we'll try anyway. This is John Sweeney, uh, representative John Sweeney, asking McGuire uh, about that certain little bottle of something that everybody uh, saw in his locker once upon a time.
0: Is using or using steroids... The use of steroids, is that cheating? That's Yes. I believe it is. That's not for me to determine.
1: Huh? What? Uh, so that's not, that, that's not the same question. That's a different one. But similarly, it shows that McGuire was there to basically say nothing at all, because that's, again, a straightforward question. Uh, is it cheating? Is steroids cheating? That was uh, that was a different uh, representative. Patrick McHenry asked the entire panel if steroids is cheating, and they started going down the line, and everyone had an answer. Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, And McGuire is the only one I I can't determine that. I don't I don't I don't know what you're talking about. So he had nothing. He had absolutely nothing at all. Uh, but the the money quote that I was trying to get to that I hit the wrong button was John Sweeney asking McGuire about that that bottle. Uh, one it time. is
0: um, rather an infamous occurrence that in the year you were you were breaking the home run record a bottle of andro was seen in your in your locker my question to you is your position now says the use of that product which is now illegal but was not then how did you get to that point where that was what you were using to prepare yourself to play and if you could tell this committee how you ended up there, and then, I, if I have time left, I'd like to know if other players have similar experiences. Um, I think that would help us understand what you all live in. Well, sir, I'm not here to talk about the past.
1: What? Oh. Okay. Well, I, I mean, if, if we're, if you're here, right? If you're, if you've been summoned here to talk about what's going on with steroids in baseball. And we and we're talking about something that you used that wasn't steroids, but it was close to it, and, and it was very prominent, and everybody saw it. And, and there's a reason that everyone saw it. You put it there to make people get, get off the trail of steroids, but uh, and you can't. But you're but you're not here to talk about the past. Okay, well,
2: yeah. All they needed was Bill Belichick at the end of the panel to say, "We're here. We're 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 on to Cincinnati.
1: <laughs> we're we're not here to talk about Andro. We're on to Cincinnati."
2: Right. <laughs> that, that's pretty. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Belichick, would you like to expound on that? We're we're on to Cincinnati,
1: <laughs> and that's not for me to determine. All that's right. right. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it went on like that for, like I said, two hours and forty whatever minutes, and every representative got a chance to stand up and yeah. and have one speech or another about what was going on uh, you can see a, a younger Bernie Sanders get up and, and go on and on and, and go stark raving mad if you want to see that so uh, you had a little <laughs> bit of that
2: did he give them all free it, stuff though that's what I want to know
1: and here's eating. a
2: bottle of creatine for you and some androids for you <laughs> well,
1: that would be when Clemens came and gave everybody free uh, autographed baseballs
2: but uh, <laughs> now, you are, that you be if they cut to the next guy and he's got the little ball in the case right in front of him, you know?
1: <laughs> Mr. Clemens, I would like to ask you about cheating in baseball, but but first, I would like to, to thank you for this autograph baseball. My yes. son is really going to enjoy this. I um, only have one so yeah. question
2: for you, Mr. McGuire. Could I have your autograph?
1: <laughs> so you already said it. Uh, at the My beginning Bernie Sanders is
2: season.
1: getting better. <laughs> that, that's not bad. That is, you know, he's get, getting better. Got the Larry David in there, but you know, you are gonna have some Larry David when you do Bernie Sanders. You can't you can't you can't avoid it.
2: <laughs> Gotta get ready for football season. Ryan Fitzpatrick's still in the league.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> that's right, the, the socialist quarterback giving turnovers to everybody. Turnover so, Bernie
0: Sanders, yeah.
2: Well now that Sanders retired.
1: That's right. So you already said it. It was a little bit of everything in this meeting, and that's why it was so infamous. That everybody had a different strategy. Everybody uh, had different things, her uh, ways that they wanted to go about doing pretty much the same thing, which is saying as little as as they possibly could. The upshot of the hearing is that no one came out of it looking good, or as we say no. in 2000, two as we say in 2019, it was bad optics all around. That's that's the buzzword now. It's bad optics. Uh, The representatives looked silly for focusing so hard on something so trivial in the world and making empty threats to intervene in baseball drug testing, and the players mostly came off guilty of sin because none of them wanted to say what was really happening for fear of ratting out uh, themselves or teammates. It all resulted in a whole lot of nothing and is generally regarded as a joke and a waste of everybody's time, and if you think there was a lesson to be learned not to waste taxpayer time and money on something obvious to all but except for the most ignorant i guess i'll refer you to the events of just this past wednesday and i'll leave it at that but at least from this 2005 steroid hearing we were gifted some some infamous lines and if we have the uh the quote wing of the hall of infamy we can pluck these quotes out too uh because everybody knows these
0: quotes i have never used steroids period i'm Everyone not here to talk that. about the past
1: the, at any time well, you try I to actually, avoid something just yeah. And I like that you have those,
2: I like that you have those drops now because we reference those all the time. Yeah. So we can, we can add those. Yeah. They're very topical. We could, we could use those for, for a lot of things. They, they don't just have to reach for baseball. We can, we, we, we have referenced Rafi and Sammy Sosa with his, uh, Interpreter, even though he speaks perfectly (laughs) good English, and Mark McGuire with the greatest, uh, probably the greatest line to come out of that the I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm not here to talk about the past. He repeated that a lot. He did. That's why I made the Miranda Cincinnati joke because it was just (laughs) they'd ask McGuire anything, and you could see these congressmen getting, or senators, or you know, getting so frustrated with, with, you know, it was. I mean, it's you know, this isn't The Godfather two, and you know, you know, you got, and, and Michael Corleone is taking the the Fifth Amendment or <laughs> making a statement. I mean, this is this is baseball players talking about steroid use in baseball, and, and how you know, you know, now we just juice the baseballs. Now we don't have to juice the players anymore. <laughs> cause we're, we're making we're 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 wishing for the days of of nineteen ninety eight and all that again with the way that. You have, uh, you know, light-hitting middle infielders popping off, you know, 25 home runs a year now. So,
1: And, and, and we haven't really talked much about, uh, th- but this season particularly, with whatever their, this new ball is, uh, have you ever seen so many half swings or not even full swing yep. and the ball just zips out of the ballpark?
2: I mean, you're, you're seeing swings that are put on the ball that you're used to being like light pop-ups to the middle infield just flying out of the ballpark.
1: Right. I've never seen this many. They, they look like they're yeah, going to, they, they, like you said, they should drop in for, for a hit behind the shortstop. And instead they're going yeah. over the
0: wall.
2: I have had, I mean, it's baseball. I love baseball, but th- this year is really leaving a, this season in general with all of this is kind of leaving a, a sour taste in my mouth. There is no strategy being played in baseball anymore right now. Zero.
1: Just swing for the fences.
2: It is stand around and wait for home runs, and, and that is that is not that, that works great maybe if you're playing a video game, but right. you know I as somebody who you know likes to see a team manufacture a run or do the little things right now nah, you don't have to do that just we're gonna have a you know we're gonna have a light hitting shortstop jacking you know thirty home runs now kettle marte. Oh. <laughs> Jorge also, Polanco, a guy with no power. Jorge Polanco has no power.
1: Apparently he does.
2: Well everybody does now. <laughs> everybody and we, do. you know, that we were and you and I Joe and you and I you've noticed I I've ragged on Twitter a couple of times about the, the, the love affair that has crept back up with the distance of the home runs now. <laughs> And how this uh, I, I I keeps tying back. Hmm. At what other point in history did we have this sort of obsession with 500 foot home runs? Oh yeah,
1: steroid mm. era. Yeah, you're not saying. I'm, I'm just, just saying. saying.
2: So no, that having sat through that, and you are correct. <laughs> nobody, nobody came out of that smelling good. No. Like, the silence was deafening, the fake English, uh, or the interpreting, you know, everybody, all the denials, (laughs) I'm not here to talk about the past. Everybody might have just sat up there, shouldn't have just said, yeah, I did it. And the one who actually did say, yeah, I did it, I hate to say it, the the most infamous, notorious figure out of that whole group came out looking the best from this whole thing was Jose Canseco.
1: Because he was the only one that seemed like he was telling sort of the truth.
2: They they made him – Jose Canseco, through this whole steroid thing, was the winner. He was the good guy, and that is that – that's <laughs> the sorry state of what it was, um, that he was the guy who – he was the guy who was right. He was the guy who uh, MLB and the players' unions and everybody vilified for telling the truth, and, and, and he was – you know, when Jose Canseco is your role model when it comes to telling the truth and exposing uh, what was going on in baseball, uh, that tells you how deep the problem really was.
1: Was, no, somebody. Somebody else said that there was no problem at all. They didn't know what you were talking about.
0: I have never used steroids. Period.
1: <laughs> what, what, what do you mean?
2: Oh, you, mean? I, you know, on. I changed my mind. I totally changed my tune. As the scroll, <laughs> as the crawl across the bottom of the screen is telling you, that you just got popped for ped. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. The best. Yeah, that, that, that was perfect. So the the final entry to the into the hall of infamy, the 2005 congressional steroid hearings, is as infamous as it gets.
2: And hard to believe that we're talking about that was 14 and a half years ago. I know. Yeah. And, and how far it just, we've come now that we're break we're shattering every year home run records for the whole league. And, you know, teams are breaking all of their home run records. Now nobody's breaking these individual records. So if we can't just juice, you know, we don't want to just have like the 10 obvious guys who are juiced. We're just going to juice the ball. Yeah. So now
1: everybody can can play
2: Harry bonds. Everybody can just Jack home runs. So nobody's, nobody's just going to straight up hit 70 or 72, but we're going to have a whole lot of guys that just hit 30 and 40 now.
1: We're just gonna have the Twins team hit two hundred before fucking July is over.
2: The Twins, by the way, the Twins,
1: <laughs> the Minnesota Twins, have two hundred home runs as a team, and we're not in. We're not even through with July. Come on, that that's just it's it's ludicrous. It's crazy. It's it's I don't even know what to what to say about it. And then uh, it, it's also as far as bad strategy or defeating different strategies in baseball, you almost can't send a pitcher out to the mound against these guys that throws a fastball lower than 94, because it's going to get turned around 600 feet. You have to send out nothing but fireballers because that's all that that has any chance of succeeding against these batters. If you send out somebody that, that throws 90 and and tries to hit their locations, they're going to get destroyed because the first pitch they throw in a strike zone is going to get just launched. So there's no strategy there either.
2: Yeah, and the sad part of this is we're going to get to October. The weather's going to get cold, and these balls won't be flying out of the yard as much, and all of a sudden these teams won't be able to play any fundamental baseball, and we're going to have a really painful slog through the World Series this year.
1: You're right. Each World Series game is going to be 2-1, to one, and each team's going to strike out 10 times in each game.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. Every team, every, every game is going to be two to one, but the teams are going to have like two runs on 14 hits <laughs> because nobody's going to know what to do with runners on base uh, or you start seeing errors because there's just less balls in play now.
1: Well, that guys are not used to fielding balls because they're used to just right. standing there and watching strikeouts.
2: Uh, yeah. So the pitching gets better, the hitting gets. Worse. We know that happens come the playoff time. So that's, this is great that we're doing all this stuff in the regular season, and these teams are all hitting. You know, teams are going to break. The Twins are probably going to break their season total home run record by the end of August. Is that what we're? Oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like six or seven guys with thirty homers each.
2: Crazy, absolutely <laughs> crazy.
1: Uh. But yeah, I, I, that's the that's the solution I guess to the steroid era is well we'll have stricter testing, but we're gonna do something to the baseball so that we can yeah. uh, keep the fans around and keep them interested.
2: Is, that keeping so really is it keeping you interested? Is it making you excited? I mean,
1: I don't really watch that much live baseball. I got to admit, it, it doesn't really do much for me. Because there's no again, like you said, there's no strategy. It's just here's a fireballer against a, a slugger, and here's another fireballer against another slugger, and then
2: yeah, every every you, highlight package on ESPN or MLB or Fox Sports, every highlight package is just dudes hitting jacks.
1: Yeah, wake, wake they were me doing the uh, M-
2: MLB. MLB Network was doing the because the, they have the the Papa Slam, right? You know, it's all sponsored now. And yep. they did their their highlight package just for like the last week or two weeks. I swear it was 10 minutes long of dudes jacking grand slams. <laughs> you had a stretch right. here four, uh, four nights in a row, a dude hit three home runs in a game.
1: That's ridiculous. Think about the steroid era and all the, the juiced up, jacked up guys, and that yeah. didn't happen we're, then.
2: We're breaking those records, and nobody's weakening an eye at this. <sighs>
1: I, I think people know though I think the people it's in not the like sport we're know not just
2: being like we're not just like being like the cranky old guys on this one, right? I mean you no. clearly see something that's wrong that's just and nobody's talking about it no no nobody is is you know it obviously there's an effort here with the, with look at all the offensive explosions in all these sports you know in football and in baseball, I mean on basketball right, even hockey. You know, the scores seem like they're going up. I mean, what are we going to start to see now? Three to two games in soccer?
1: No, I don't know if you'll ever see that. Uh, <laughs> somebody <laughs> somebody did the research, and and, and just like a couple of years ago when the ball was different and everybody knew it, somebody did the research and, and determined that the ball was different this year as well. I just yeah, haven't, it is. Uh, they cut one open. And, yeah. And, and then also Pedro Martinez uh, did a, a great segment where he had an old baseball and one of the new current ones, and he showed you right there the differences. The, se- the seams were the seams, uh, yeah. uh, different; they were they were narrower, I believe. So you try to grip a two seam—oh no—they were wider. So you couldn't grip a two seam fastball. You couldn't get both seams anymore because the the seams were wider. So of course, pitching is going to suck. You can't grip the the ball the way that you used to, and you can't throw certain pitches the way you used to. So that's a, right. That's which leads a, to more and, mistakes. That's an unsung, uh, unheralded part of all of this is if you limit the number of pitches a pitcher can throw, if you take a pitcher's repertoire and take certain pitches away because of the way the seams are, are built, then of course they're going to be worse at pitching. There, there's nothing you can really do about that. So there, there's a lot of things in play uh, trying to uh, sort of artificially juice the game and, and, and make the, the score go up and trying to keep these millennials' uh, attention uh, as they're they're typing away on their cell phones.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at NBA games now. You got final games that used to be finals when we were kids are like halftime scores now.
1: Yes, eighty to seventy-five. Wow, what quarter are they in? Oh, that's the half. What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that's no joke.
1: No, no,
2: it's not. You know, well, and, yeah, and the Golden the, State and Warriors just the, kind of broke yeah.
1: the game, so that's that's a big yeah. part of that.
2: Well, yeah, everybody's just chucking threes now. That, that's that's yes. all, dunks and threes.
1: Dunks and threes, that's right.
2: Dunk, dunks and threes, but then you watch the Raptors win the title with a big guy who can shoot a 16-foot jumper. Oh, oh, wait a minute. It's not just all, yeah. Somebody actually had a game that wasn't just dunks and threes, and they won the title.
1: That That's good for them, but as we both know, if Golden State was healthy, they still would have ran away with oh, it yeah. with all those threes.
2: Well, but 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 they weren't. But they weren't but they weren't. They got them at the right time. I mean, in football, for all of the offensive prowess and everything that we're seeing, I believe we just had a 13-3 to 3 Super Bowl.
1: Please don't remind me
2: of that. I just got over that. God, oh, that was nauseating. Too, too soon? That game was so awful. It was so bad. <laughs> Is that the worst Super Bowl we've ever seen?
1: Ooh, that's I don't know about ever, but
2: Well, that we've watched. I mean, obviously, we weren't alive for some of these bad, you know, these low scoring ones that we don't know anything about from like the early 70s and all that. But I'm just thinking of my football. Now, I still I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was it was bad. It was it was Seahawks Steelers bad, but that was bad for a different level. Seahawks Steelers was bad because the refs took that game over.
1: There was some terrible, terrible officiating. Um, I don't know. It depends on your aesthetic because that game, the, this, this Super Bowl that just happened was bad on both both levels, that both teams were just bad until the, the Patriots finally figured out a little bit of offense. So that that was terrible to watch, but some people might say – like the Niners over Chargers one was worse because that was one team that was so much better than the other that that was bad just because it was like watching a, a pro team against a high school team that that's bad on that level. So that was so a I lot. Of, which,
2: that was a lot of the '80s Super Bowls, right? I mean,
1: yeah, the Niners over the Broncos. Yeah,
2: that's, the uh, the, uh, the the Cowboys over the Bills the second time, I believe, or the. Right. Or the... You know, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of blowout Super Bowls, but I, I still, I think we talked about this a little bit when it happened, so we're revisiting a little bit. But, you know, I, nope. I don't say necessarily coming, that we the, the, the Chargers, again. the Niners beating the Chargers, you knew you were watching a special team. You knew with the 49ers that right. the best team in each conference, that this was the best that the AFC could put up against the 49ers was, was that? Um. Yeah. With this Super Bowl that we just had, I didn't feel like I was watching greatness. I w- I also didn't feel like I was watching great defense. We've seen. I, I could trust me. I can. Lo- I know the difference between a good thirteen to three game and a <laughs> bad thirteen to three game. And that was a bad thirteen to three game. You give me any of those mid two thousands, uh, early twenty tens like Steelers Ravens games. Those could be really good thirteen to three games. High tension, high drama, hard hitting great defensive plays, great defensive efforts. There was none of that in this Rams uh, uh, Patriots Super Bowl.
1: We're not going to go work for pro football focus anytime soon as much as I want to, but we've watched enough football over the years that we know a defense that's, they, they, they got everybody in the right place. Their, their coverage is, is tight. The, the pass rush is there. It's getting pressure. It wasn't any of that in the Super Bowl. It was just bad. was bad offense. <laughs> bad execution. And,
2: and not to crap on the Patriots because you know I love to crap on the Patriots anymore. Uh, somewhere, somehow, some way, I saw that somebody had a list that had been created of the top ten Super Bowl teams of all time, and I don't think the Patriots had any of them in the top Ooh. ten. Because well, because you think uh, back, speaking like, back you think
1: to your of the- your point that you always make about their combined wins and all these many rings that they've gotten is like single digits in points.
2: Their point differential, (laughs) I I believe this year, because they won by 10, their point Uh, differential now I believe is plus 15
1: total
2: (laughs) in all their Super Bowls. Like after they lost by 8 the year before, uh, I believe they were plus 5 in all their Super Bowls total. like For all of them. For all the Patriots with, with Tom Brady, because we can't obviously count the one against the Bears, because then they'd be negative as a franchise, right? <laughs> and then they no, lost by two that. touchdowns to the Packers. So the Patriots' history, they are on the, they are in the red on point differential. But you now for the Tom Brady era, uh,
0: yeah.
2: yeah, they'd won by three, 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 four, six, and now ten. That's and the goat. Three, 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 four, six, and ten. They're getting bigger every time. They're blowing people's doors off now. Um
1: <laughs> they won by two possessions. Oh my they god. They just
2: had. They just had their first two possession win, double digit win in a Super Bowl. And it it was their sixth time. And then they lost by uh what three, three, and eight.
1: That's the goat you're talking about. That's totally so, Watch your mouth now. You're yeah, so about they the won greatest. by
2: three, six, nine, thirteen, nineteen, twenty-nine. So they were twenty-nine in the wins, so they're plus 29 in the six wins. So they're average now. They're average. They, they win their average Super Bowl by still less than five points, and they <laughs> lost by three, three, and eight, which is 14. So yeah, plus 15. I was dead on on that one. So there you go. Nine Super Bowls plus 15. What did we? What did I say the number was for Joe Montana? Four Super Bowls plus 77. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but if Tommy was playing those Super Bowls, he'd have been plus no.
2: 300. No. <laughs> no. Joe Montano had four Super Bowl appearances, all wins. They were plus 77. And that was with a couple of squeakers.
1: That, that's true. Those, those first couple were, were, not, <laughs> uh, were not blowouts.
2: Right. Uh, Troy Aikman's plus minus, again, is going to be through the roof. Uh, compared yeah. to, so yeah, uh, you know, we talk a lot about point differential. Point differential is a very interest, interesting and important statistic.
1: I think so. I've, I've always liked it,
2: it. It's tracked in the standings. Baseball, run differential. Uh, how often do they talk about run differential?
1: Right. When And, and if you're not going to put the Patriots in, in the top 10 of any super bowl teams then you
2: any individual any individual and, right. one season they they had the like 85 bears the 2000 ravens you know you start thinking back of like the great great super bowl teams that we've seen you have the cowboys team the 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 uh, i believe even the uh, the seahawks team that ripped denver to shreds nah. right cuz they were winning with defense in an era of all offense And then turn right around. And then you had the Denver team that beat Carolina on the list, because again,
1: uh, a dominant
2: defense defense. that that was dominant defense.
1: (laughs) Yes. Not what we saw this past February. That was not dominant. defense.
2: Correct. So yeah. And I don't know if if the Patriots had any teams on the list, maybe they had one towards the bottom, but I recalled that they didn't have a single one on the list. Unironically, the team that they would have had on the list was the team that lost the Super Bowl, uh, would exactly. be the perfect team.
1: Exactly. So the I was team just about to bring that, that point up.
2: If that team had won the Super Bowl, I don't think they shoot up to one or two. I mean, with the Brady Love, I'm sure they do, but they're probably around maybe five or six because that was the best Patriots team I've seen, the one that didn't win the Super Bowl.
1: The, the Randy Moss team.
2: The Randy Moss team. The the perfect Patriots team, the team that was destroying everybody and rolled all the way through the Super Bowl and somehow found a way to lose the perfect season to Eli Manning. To the helmet catch. Yeah. But again, when you're that good and you were rolling over people all season, that game shouldn't have been that close.
1: Uh nah, but the Giants gave them all they could handle, and we're sitting there watching it. You were at my apartment, and yeah. rooting like hell for the both rooting like hell for the Giants. Um, and, and I believe uh, you even said in the uh, regular season finale where the Giants had a chance to break up the uh, undefeated regular season, and the yeah. Patriots won. Uh, one either you or both of us said they may have lost that game, but you know, they gave them a, a hell of a fight, and and you know. I don't think even one of us saw the Giants making the Super Bowl, but once that matchup was made, then we both thought back to that regular season game and said, "Oh, they, they can they can hang, they can play with the Patriots. They've already yeah, proved that." And,
2: and the and the and the Giants showed in winning that Super Bowl the, the Achilles heel of any of these Tom Brady teams were pressure with the front four. If you have a good enough D line and you can get pressure with just four and get Tom Brady off of his spot and and make him move around then you have a chance and they and michael strahan and was it strahan and numenura and uh was that pierre GPP paul that JPP that with with the, with the whole hand um <laughs> was
1: a long time ago he had all his fingers
2: <laughs> he had all the digits <laughs> it feels like so long ago
1: yes no and you're you're right yeah. uh, all the Patriots losses. the 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 common the common factor is the front four that can bust them in the fucking mouth, and that's how you beat the, Tom Brady, and that's yeah. how you beat the Patriots.
2: That's and that's what, and then you've had all these teams that that gave them the the run for their money, but just couldn't seal the deal. That could have really put a few more nails in this. You had the Jaguars, you had the Texans, uh, the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. You had all these teams that have had the Patriots on the ropes. But not had the offense to seal the deal or not given the ball to Marshawn Lynch to go in.
1: Or couldn't hold a twenty eight to three lead.
2: And that in that game for three quarters, Atlanta was putting Tom Brady on the ground. Yeah. That was the uh the emergence of Grady of uh, was it Grady Jarrett in that game? <laughs> yes. Had a hell of three or three, three and a half sacks. I mean, having like the game of his life, uh, a game yeah. that Matt Ryan lost. That Matt Ryan lost that game, and if you just look at his stats, you would have thought they won the game by four touchdowns.
1: Right. But that's the greatest. But that's the goat right there. <laughs>
0: that, that, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I keep saying that just to get on your nerves because I know Damn. you are fully against the, the, the idea of Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback of all time and I am too I'm also against that idea. And and, I'm not, I, saying, and I'm, not gonna...
2: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I would never say he's not one of the greatest. Of course. But in in a lifetime of watching football and, and maybe, you know, distance will make a difference, you know, once he's gone for a while and the hatred starts to subside a little bit and I look back and I'm like, man, I was kinda hard on Tom Brady. Uh maybe he really was. No <laughs> I don't think so. I, I know I've seen better. It's just the eye test for me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not so much that it, there's no way he could possibly be the greatest. For, it's that I'm not going to just anoint him. I'm not going to say because he has more rings and whoever, than yeah, everybody I, and, and more appearances a, and all yeah, that. Yeah,
2: it's such a bad – oh, is somebody going to go out and tell me in, in 10 years or in 15 years that – in this era that that Mike Trout wasn't one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player in baseball for this generation because he didn't win a ring? He couldn't
1: be. He didn't have any rings. He couldn't be. Yeah. People who will make that argument.
2: Someone's going to tell me that well, Aaron Judge, if he gets a ring, is going to suddenly be a better ball player than, than Mike Trout?
1: <laughs> well, certainly if you're in New York, you would think that. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and that's the painful part
2: of anymore. the argument that where you're in a, in, on a team with fifty three players, you're judged by the number of championships you have. That's a better argument in basketball, and I still think it's a cheap argument.
1: And I've always said it's a better argument than pretty much any other sport because football is the one sport in which you can't play one part of the one half of the game. You're not ever on defense. Right. Right. So you like have Tom no Brady's got to
2: throw the ball, but it's also up to somebody to catch the ball or somebody to run the ball or somebody to make the big defensive play. Uh, You know, the first two, three Super Bowls, the Patriots won, were all defense. It was like Roethlisberger with his first Super Bowl, right? They were hiding oh, yeah. him in that first <laughs> right. Super Bowl. It's like, don't throw the ball, Ben. We got this.
1: Uh, but yeah, that, that's always been my argument as far as yeah. the greatness of a quarterback is... He can't even control, in any way, shape, or form, the defense on his team. If he's great, Dan Marino is maybe as great, as naturally talented as a quarterback as either one of us has ever seen. His defense always sucked. What is he supposed or to and, do
0: about
2: and, that? and he had no running game.
1: He had no running game, yep. and had two really good receivers, and that was about it. He didn't, he didn't really have... Any of any extra help outside of those two. When he wore them down, he didn't have any. He, he didn't have anyone else to throw to. But right. even throwing all that, don't take anything offensively and putting that aside. When he leaves the field after his possession's over, the defense comes out and lays down and lets everybody run over. What's what can, what's he supposed to do about that? There's nothing he can do.
2: Right, uh, and and but, you know, and then you. I, you're you're the big Peyton Manning guy, so I know is you're going to throw the best. you're going to throw down with anybody who tries to tell you uh, that Tom Brady's better than overall as a quarterback at just at the playing the position that's better than Peyton Manning. You'll probably throw down with him.
1: I will always believe that Peyton Manning had more command of his offense than any quarterback I've ever seen. I I'm not going to ever get into, he was greater. He was better. I don't know if he was better or greater than Tom Brady or, or anybody else. I, I it's really hard to determine that right. because of so many different variables. But as far as you saw the guy, make the, the, the calls at the line, look at the defense, make the audibles, throw the ball where it's supposed to be, whether his receiver was good enough to make the catch or not, you can see that the ball is where it was supposed to be. And sometimes the receiver doesn't make the play. Tom, uh, Peyton Manning was the man that made the most command uh, that I ever saw. That had the most command of his offense. that made the most adjustments at the line that put the ball exactly where it's supposed to be. Sometimes it got dropped. Sometimes it got caught. There's nothing you can do about that. But, and Tom Brady is, is right there with him, but Peyton was, was first and was, was more consistent about it. Uh, as far as i'm concerned brady had yeah. to grow into that uh and but and also peyton's balls back when he had the arm uh he was putting the ball in in a better place in a much deeper distance than tom brady tom brady doesn't really try to throw anything too deep because he knows that the deeper he goes the, the less accurate he's going to be but but that's yeah that's my argument uh to, to, for peyton manning but I, I can't really get into the whole greatest and, and all that because I, I, it, it's so subjective. It, it's there's oh, yeah. so many variables and and I can't. That, that's a barstool argument. That's you sitting on your barstool and ah, so and so is the greatest of all time. Uh,
2: well, he might
1: have been. I don't know.
2: But. <laughs> but if we just if we can if we say he's in the group with the greatest, I am okay with that.
1: I am too. It's certain others that. That's not good enough for them, but that, so what?
2: Well, and a lot know, of those Well, that that a lot of those people tend to be, they're, they're you know uh, East Coast. Uh, yes. <laughs> East, ESPNers, or you know people who've got to always have somebody's always got to be the goat, or you got to have the Mount Rushmore of this, and you know everything now with a 24-hour, 24/7 news cycle. You know, if you're not, if it's not the outrage of the day, it's who's the greatest, or what list can we put something on.
0: We always joked uh, about
2: ESPN how immediately, as soon as something happened, that it would be the next day. It would be the top ten of that type of thing that ever happened. And that would always be like number two. Would always would be right. number one. Would always be number two though.
1: And yeah, number one is something that happened in the fifties. Number two just happened last night. I can't believe it. It was that great. <laughs>
2: And they would roll that Reason. out six, seven times a year. Every time somebody had a rant, like a coach had a blow-up, that blow-up would be on the top ten list.
1: Top ten rant of all time.
2: Just happened last night. Whoa, whoa slow it down there a little bit.
1: It's an instant classic.
2: Let's uh, let's uh, let's just breathe a little bit. So I liked your uh, list. I liked your Hall of Infamy list. You took nothing from what I was thinking. So, oh, okay. Like nothing. I'm not saying there was anything wrong with your list. I liked your list, but any of the ones that I had had that I was planning on. um, Do I even have one? Let me see. I'm so so anal about this now. Uh, Yeah, let's see here. Oh, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six things on my list. One of them is about to come off the list. Uh Uh-oh. Number four on my list, it just said, steroid hearings
1: <laughs> oh i, did I will poach now
2: one. there we go you poached one right from me i hadn't looked at my mlb list because i'm not doing it till 2020 so as i right. just come up with things i just go into my phone now and throw it into my notes in my phone which is great like if i see something yeah i'm just looking at my list though for 2020 and even with the five that i still have left on here it even if i just did these five it would be one hell of a show so I'm glad you did okay. the steroid hearings because you had, like, that whole – like, the whole audio thing going. So I'm really uh, – you. you
0: I have never on used steroids, period.
2: Well, what did you think about those steroid hearings?
0: I'm not here to talk about the past.
2: Oh, we're going to run
1: that one to death. <laughs> Almost as bad as Brady Quinn.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now I'm done. Oh, man, I can't wait till you have your first bad week this year picking games.
1: I'm not here to talk about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a hell of a week you just (laughs) had there, Trey. I'm not here to talk about the past.
0: I'm not here to talk about the past. I love it. Moving on to Cincinnati.
2: (laughs) We need that one, too. We got to get that drop. (laughs) That's... Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, we haven't had a show in a while. Summer's going good. I know you were up in Chicago. Um, You missed me by two days.
1: Yeah, it was weird. We didn't plan any trips to Chicago uh, as a a group or anything like that, but you just happened to be taking your kids to Wrigley Field during the beginning of a week, and then I just happened to be going up there for the Sickle Cell Walkathon at the end of that week.
2: So We were there on Tuesday and Wednesday, and and you got there Friday, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we drove up so It's
2: so crazy uh, that we were down there on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, took my kids to their first ever uh, Cubs game, lied all the way to this park. <laughs> they had no clue we were going to a game. Uh, my daughters were down in Chicago. They had no clue first that we were going to Chicago. Then we get down there, and we're just at the park. It was just Tuesday because we had tickets to the Wednesday game, Uh, 120 game. And my my kids are, like, playing at the park and they are doing all kinds of stuff. And my daughter's like, Daddy, I want to go see where the Cubs play. Like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll go do that tomorrow. I'll take you by the stadium. So then we park at my free parking spot, like, six blocks away. They're like, you know, we had to walk. We're like, yeah, we got to park far away. You know, they don't have a parking lot so we're walking to the stadium and everybody's out on the street, like wearing Cubs stuff. And my daughter's asking like, daddy, why is everybody wearing Cubs stuff? Like, well, you know, this is Chicago Trent. <laughs> it was so bad, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then we're getting closer to the stadium and there, you know, and there's all kinds of people out and about and you're starting to pick up the smells. Right. And, and people are starting to get excited, and there's vendors on the street selling things. People are walking by selling tickets. And my daughter's asking me, like, well, what's going on, Dad? I was like, oh, it's, it's just – they're having a Cubs party. <laughs> <laughs> so we get right in front of the marquee, right in front of the marquee, and I pull out my phone, and I'm taking video, and I'm talking to Trini and Grant, and I'm like – well, where are we, Trini? And she's oh, we're at Wrigley Field. I'm like, oh, and who plays here? The Cubs. And then I drop it on her that we're going to the game, and the expression on her face, I mean, like, she's talking to me normal, and then you just see this change in her eyes, just like like the sparkle comes into her eyes, and she just, like, literally, like, dead stop, turns around and just looks at the stadium like, oh, we're going in?
1: We're going in there? (laughs)
2: <laughs> and she turns around, and then she's just got the biggest smile on her face. And Grant's like, we're going to go see the Cubs play? It's like, yeah, right now. And they're just, oh, man. it was that was, a, that was a pretty, like, proud dad moment, magical moment. So I was glad that I was able to lie to them all the way to the stadium <laughs> and not tell them that we were going to the game. And it's the best because they're both wearing Cubs stuff. My daughter's got a Cubs shirt on. My Cubs were wearing a jersey and a hat. And I've got on my Cubs stuff. Uh, my wife even had on a Cubs T-shirt to blend in. Uh, she probably wouldn't look too good in a Brewer's, brewer's shirt. So
1: No, that uh, wouldn't be a good look.
2: Yeah, it definitely better in a cup shirt. And, uh, yeah, we went in there, and uh, it was brutally hot and humid that day. I got burnt to a crisp once the sun finally hit us in our seats. But I give my kids full credit. They actually made it into the eighth inning, which I was stunned by. But once we when we figured out how long we were in the stadium without leaving, we were in the stadium for almost five hours.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: When we got there, because I always try to get there early because then you know, got get, to get my free parking spot and you got to walk down there. We went around and went in some of the, the shops, they were looking for uh, you know, souvenirs and stuff. And I went a little crazy after the game on the way back to the car, getting them the souvenirs and stuff. So, proud moment, and the Cubs won, so even better.
1: That's always good.
2: Oh, they won their first good... game. They won my first game. When I first went, they won the first game. So I, I got to have, of course, because of now technology, I got most of this all on video, right? So I didn't yeah. have that when I went to my first Cubs game. I just have I just have memory of going right. to my first Cubs game. So uh, we went and did that Tuesday and Wednesday. We drove back right after the game. And then uh, you were down there two days later. Or up there, in your case.
1: Yes. <laughs> up there, but all every time is always up there into the cooler climes, getting out of the mid South and going back up North to, to Chicago is always getting into cooler temperatures, except for last weekend. Uh, when we drive from 90 degree weather here in Memphis to 100 degree weather in Chicago. And it's like, are, are you kidding me? Are you, are you really, are you really kidding me? Yeah, it was uh, the, the, Whatever heat wave was gripping the Midwest and the, and the East last weekend, uh, happened to hit Chicago uh, for a very inopportune time, because I, the reason I was there was to try to walk in a walk a time for sickle cell anemia, which uh, claimed my mother back in 1986. Uh, not that I was going to be doing a whole lot of walking anyway, because I hadn't told you about this, but... Uh, My knee had been bothering me uh, ever since the bowling season ended. I
2: twisted something. The gout didn't come back.
1: It's not the gout. It wasn't swollen. It was something in the back of my knee that feels off like it's like there's an injury back there or something. And after waiting all summer for it to sort of heal up and it hadn't really healed up, I finally went and got uh, x-rays and the doctors uh, that took the X-rays told me you have uh, you are forty-three years old and your knees look like they're sixty-three. And I said, "Oh shit!" Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he said, "Some not anytime soon, but somewhere way down the line in the future, I probably am looking at a couple of knee replacements." So that's some <laughs> something to look forward to. And uh, as far as whatever have this Robot
2: Ups and robot Dre. <laughs>
1: Well, we've already had the the robot wrestler, but that's a whole other story. Oh, RoboCop. But, uh, the
2: return of RoboCop. Oh, no. <laughs> Drop it, creep.
1: I get to bend some metal bars yeah. and, and save Sting from right. some the four horsemen attacking him.
2: Never alive. Um, you're coming with me.
1: So the guy, the doctor basically told me I shouldn't be walking at all, not not treadmill, walkathon. Not he doesn't want me to do exercise don't by walking. Walk. Don't walk. Don't walk at all. No, as far as exercising, he, he says ah. uh, walking is is bad for me right now with all the arthritis in my knees and whatnot. So uh, I, I was really disappointed as far as I really wanted to get up to the walkathon and get some some real walking in, but I wasn't able to do that. So I actually uh, my my Poor uncle is actually going in for a full knee replacement uh, oh. later uh, uh, in August. So both both he, uh, family, he and I are Did you I get out like there. a
2: family discount or something? I,
1: I don't need it yet. I wish I oh, could okay. uh, get it in, on layaway and then refer back to, to his deal yeah. and, and be able to get some sort of discount. But I don't think I'll you be know, able that to do messes, that. That
2: messes you up for a while. I mean, they got to they just slice the whole thing open. They got to put the yeah. I mean. you you're laid up for a while when that happens.
1: That knee replacement is, is not uh, doesn't doesn't sound like anything minor. So,
2: yeah. well,
1: whenever that happens, that's that's not going to be very pleasant at all. It's not, just, it's, it's not
2: like meal replacement; they just give you a shake.
1: <laughs> no, it's not nothing like that. Yeah. So, both my uncle and I were sort of hobbling around all last weekend uh, during the walk of that. So we we both we we walked to. Uh, we, it started on the 39th Street Beach. I'd say we walked to maybe 41st Street and then oh. went down to, to the beach and came back. That's about the extent of the walking that we were doing. Uh, but, of course, I was with my family all weekend, so that part of it was awesome, and then being with my wife. And they love her, and she loves them, and we all uh, got to get together and have a good time. And they actually convinced her to uh, start doing the research and trying to figure out that it, it appears we're going to be uh going on our next cruise next summer and this is going to be the alaskan cruise that we've talked about before
2: oh man now now i hate you
1: (laughs) yeah that's what we're looking at my my wife uh...
2: who's been reluctant to want to go on one of those i don't know why for some reason uh just had a friend go on one this year who was posting pictures on facebook and she was following along on their trip and her whole attitude about not wanting to go on one changed really quick. <laughs> she did. Yeah. She had no concept of the fact of why I wanted to go. And it's all giant mountains and you know glaciers and snow peaked mountains and crystal blue water and dolphins swimming next to the boat. She had no concept of any of that. I don't know what she thought it was going to be like, but igloos. I, yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe,
2: you know, don't know. But now all of a sudden, that's back on the list of things that it's it's okay for us to do because that's like my dream vacation.
1: I know, I know. And so, when we were when we were talking about it last weekend, I was thinking in my mind, I wonder if I could sneak Jason and Amber on this thing. I, I it, it's so crazy with all the time that you have to uh, to commit to it. It's I believe it's an eight right. night cruise. That's nuts. And so and then you got a a day or two on either side of it just to fly in and out of seattle or vancouver or wherever we are going right. to take this cruise. Uh so you're talking about committing basically a week and a half, two weeks to this thing and I don't know how realistic that is for either one of you guys right now. So for,
2: yeah, I mean
1: I, that's not even talking about the the I've, got, of a, money
2: I've got a I've got a uh trip planned for my wife. I won't spoil what it is cuz I'm not telling her for another two weeks yet, but I've got a trip planned right. for us. She knows. She knows we're going on a trip for her fortieth birthday, and oh, okay. uh, I won't tell what it is until I that's announced formally. But yeah, that's a week, and we have already realized that being gone for a solid week—that'll be the longest that we've been away from the kids.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: um, ever so. for a week. Uh, but it's in October, so you know her birthday is in uh, two and a half weeks, three weeks here. But we're going on – we're taking this trip in October because that's when I could get the time off work uh, in a solid week right. chunk. Because um, right. ironically, like right after her birthday, we're actually uh, going with the kids to Wisconsin Dells to spend four days in the water park because that's sort of like – we always try to do that last – well, one last trip, <clears throat> excuse me, right before Labor Day weekend because um, that's when the kids go back to school. We always try to have that like a last hurrah of summer, you know? Right. And uh, we're taking them down to the Dells. And also the last week in August, there's like nobody in the Dells, but everything is open. So if you ever want to go to Wisconsin Dells, last week of August, great time of year. Hmm. Okay. It's warm. It's warm out. Everything is open and there's nobody. It's like a ghost town, but everything is open just for you. No line, no waiting, pretty much.
1: There you go. Travel tips from Jay.
2: Travel tips from me, yes. Go to
1: Wisconsin
2: Dells. Well, you know, people. A lot of people know about Wisconsin Dells. That's a that's a major tourist destination.
1: Yep. yeah. It's only an hour a and a half. A lot of people there. have been there.
2: Right. It's only an hour and a half away from here. So that's one of the perks of living in the 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 wild, white, cold north.
1: <laughs> Except for when I come up there, because it's a hundred fucking degrees.
2: Yeah, you know, and when we were down there, it had gotten hot. I think we were hitting ninety, ninety-two. Um, right. At the game, at the Cubs game, because the, the wind was, thankfully, was a real slight breeze coming off Lake Michigan. I think that capped it at like 88, right. but the humidity was probably 80, 90%. And right. it was so hazy. As soon as the sun would come, you know, peeked over the edge of the stadium and started hitting us, it was that, you know all about this living in the South. It was like that, that wet heat. <laughs>
1: That you can't breathe. That,
2: it's like, and, ugh. and, 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 and it, no, and it just it like burns you instantly. Yeah. Because it's it's like you're 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 sweating because it's so moist, and then the sun oh, hitting yeah. that, and you literally just feel like you're cooking.
1: Yes. <laughs> you're you're being basted in your own juices.
2: Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> it's funny because we were talking about the gout, and I don't know if we've ever made the distinction between. People who live in the north and people who live in the south because people who live in the south always have to put the in front of whatever disease it is they have.
1: They got the gout and, and, and I got the sugar. Got the diabetes. Uh-huh. Got, the, got the sugar <laughs> diabetes.
2: Yeah. If you grew up in the north, you have gout. Or you just you have, have diabetes, or You have cancer. But if you're in the south, you, you get the diabetes or you get the cancer. <laughs> and you know I'm right on that one.
1: Yes. It's <laughs> one of those Things it's one of those video north, sequences.
2: Those north south, south things, you know, it's just <laughs> between the southerners and the Yankees, you know.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I don't feel so bad about not uh, figuring a way to get you guys on the, on the cruise next year because it sounds like there's no way you could possibly pull that off. Yeah,
2: and we're already we're taking the kids to Florida for spring break. Uh, not not like Disney World. We're going. You know, my dad lives down there, so we're going down there. Uh, for spring break, it sounds like and. Yeah, and doing some kind of a summer vacation probably with the kids. I think next year, this year has been pretty heavy on travel. I think next year's going to be a little bit lighter on travel, especially now that the kids are older and we can actually plan like a full week vacation with them and actually go somewhere where you got to drive, you know, with a little distance. Um, so, yeah, next year is going to be probably family vacations. which you know, Those are starting to become a thing now that the kids are becoming of age for that. I'm starting Mm -hmm. to feel really old. Like Trini, (laughs) Trini now is officially like out of her booster seat. She can just sit on the regular car seat now, you know, in the car. Yep. Bigger and bigger. You know. Yeah, Yeah. these kids are getting big. Trinity's starting second grade. I know that's making you feel old too. But
1: yeah, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I talked to her about a little bit last show.
2: Yeah, cute factor. You know, seven Mm -hmm. and a half here soon. Yep. (laughs) This is crazy. Well, at least you know, she'll be able to take over for me here on the show. She'll be able to talk all about the Cubs. <laughs> if she can do it without dropping F bombs like I've been doing lately when I talk <laughs> about the Cubs, that would be an improvement.
1: That fucking Cubs. Guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize that uh, uh, Pedro Stroop, stroke has now become a verb.
1: Well, the Cubs stroped again.
2: Cubs stroked another one. Yeah, they did it today, oh. too. They blew the game. They blew uh, two late leads today and lost the game. Mm. So it's getting hard. It's getting really hard to watch. It's like, I'm just going to start watching seven innings, because after seven innings, the Cubs are winning like every game. <laughs> so I can turn off the game and go to bed and be like, ah, I got to watch seven innings of, a, oh, and then wake up in the morning and go, god
0: damn it. <laughs>
1: At every uh, trade rumor you see, see uh, it, it seems like some losing team is going to get their, their closer out of there and get some assets for them. So I'm sure that the Cubs between now and Wednesday will trade for two or three teams' uh, best relief pitcher and, and put them in the seventh and eighth inning and take care of all of that.
2: Yeah, they need to. And then Kimbrell blew it today. So so he blew uh, it in the, So the Cubs blew the game going into the ninth, and then Milwaukee tied it. Then in the 10th, Elbow Armora hits the home run. To put the lead for the Cubs, and then in the bottom of the tenth, Kimberl comes in and gives up three runs and blows it.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: So it's it's just a dumpster fire in that bullpen right now. Ooh, well,
1: again, with that baseball, it's so easy to to just give it up. Yeah. Cause
2: and then everybody's hitting super becomes like super conservative with his starting rotation, like he's pulling everybody now at like 88 pitches. It's like, what are you doing?
1: You probably have some metric that says you have to pull at that point because there's so yeah, you much. You know, worse.
2: you know my thoughts on my thoughts on Madden. Um yeah. is not the greatest game tactician, especially with his pitching staff. He's sort of the anti Dusty Baker.
1: <laughs>
2: and and very quick hook. Uh, we saw that throughout the World Series where I, I really truly and we go back even and I'm consistent on this people, go back and listen to our shows around when the Cubs won the World Series. I was on the record saying the Cubs won that World Series, despite Joe Mann and Madden's shenanigans.
1: <laughs> alright it looks like the clock is giving me a countdown for the after show it looks like we're down to all five right. seconds we, we actually know when we're going to get sniper now and so we'll be
2: back good. Sunday
1: there you go he's Jay I'm Dre this has been in much less detail the podcast thank you all for listening and we'll be back for our football hall of infamy induction show coming up next Sunday see you then <laughs>